Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But he certainly is good. And, and I was thinking about that in light of what Jesus was saying here in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue with our Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew 5, 7 is where we're at. But just consider the the idea, because reading through the Gospels, we run on these accounts where the Jewish people living there would ask Jesus a number of questions. And I remember one where a man asked him, what will, what will it take for me to enter into the kingdom of God, you know? Uh, they had a lot of questions about, even though how they put them, they wanted to please God. They wanted to do what God wanted them to do. Well, most of those questions were asked after these Beatitudes were done, but I think Jesus might have did these Beatitudes uh, in this fashion a number of times, even. Um some say that the account in in uh, in John, I think it is, is uh, could have been at a different time, even a little different location. I'm not sure about that. But what Jesus is doing here is revealing to the people the things that are pleasing to God, the nature and character of the people that will inherit the kingdom that will be part of the blessing of that promise that they had all been waiting for for, for so long. So, you know, this isn't random. There's nothing random in anything that Jesus said or did. It was, it was done in a perfect order and for the right reason. And all of it was to be of the fullest benefit possible for those that heard what he said and watched what he did. I think that's a good way to to look at it. This is the will of God being spoken forth by the Son of God, the Spirit of God being on this man, Jesus of Nazareth. And we're uh, we're in number seven here that talks about mercy. And I want to look at Micah, an Old Testament passage, because, you know, the things that Jesus talked about in the Beatitudes were not a new concept. No, no. These were, these were concepts from the beginning. These were things that man should have known of God from the very start. But in Micah 6, 8, um, Actually, the sixth chapter has, is actually God declaring these things, speaking forth through Micah. But Micah in 6, 8 says, He, or God, God has shown you, O man, what is good. 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Boy, that's very concise, isn't it? It's good counsel indeed, as they used to say in England. Uh, And it is good counsel. If you can live in this way, you're going to find yourself uh, being part of all these Beatitudes. And you're going to find yourself in, in a pleasing position with God. You're going to find that God speaks well of you and your actions uh, in, in way of uh, where we use the word bless. And in our class this morning, we were talking about blessing being speaking well of. Alex read that in the passage he shared today. This bless, of course, is a different, different Greek word, and it means content and settled in spirit. But you know, when it comes to, to, to mercy, it seems that everybody knows uh, about mercy. They, everyone you meet has, has uh, received mercy at one time or extended mercy. Everyone's well-versed, they think, when it comes to the idea of mercy. But how often do we consider the author of mercy? You know, someone had to do it first. Well, it wasn't one of us. It wasn't man. Because the concept had to come from God himself, the creator. And if you want to talk about your mercy, your merciful things, Compare them to God's merciful things. And I guess that's a good way to be walking humbly with God after you do that. But mercy brings gratitude. I think that's, a, that's an important emotion that we're going to have. Mercy, when it comes to you, brings gratitude. When, when you have obtained mercy. As a rule, it brings gratitude. Uh, there are some cases that it's not, and, and those, are, um, those have a different substance to them. But Matthew 5, 7 literally says this, Content and settled in spirit are the merciful, for they shall find mercy. God says that's true. I I believe it's true, and I think we can see it in practice. But we need to know a lot about mercy before we we do that. So the true impact, I think, when we consider what Jesus said in the seventh verse here, the true impact in understanding mercy is when one has both received it and has granted it. Then you have a, a better idea And I think most people, most adults, have somehow been involved in it one way or another. Some in in a a very complete way and others in in a partial way. But the trouble is that the the world, the society we live in, claims mercy to be not a normal way of life. You see, mercy is always always expressed as an extraordinary act not often considered. Why? 
Well, probably because the world doesn't feel that people are worthy of mercy. <laughs> Some don't even feel they're worthy of mercy. Well, unfortunately, that thinking is people have invented a God of their own understanding, they of their own attributes. But that's not the God that we read about in the Bible. Jesus is saying in this beatitude that mercy, I believe, is, is going to be an essential quality for those inheriting the kingdom. It's, it should be for everyone's life. Should be, they should be involved in the issue of mercy, especially if one expects to receive mercy. You know, we know that, that Jesus modeled so many things for us and for the Jews of his day. He modeled the love of God, and he modeled the, the mind of God in his words and his deeds. Not just his miracles, but his deeds. He did many deeds. You know, when Jesus was angry, he was angry for a reason. And that reason needed to be expressed. And everybody around, when he got angry, knew that he was angry, and they saw clearly what the anger was all about. We don't read books about those that debate Jesus got angry and he was wrong. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus kind of clarifies this idea a little bit, I think. And of course, chapter 6, we're going to break in on his uh, uh, his teaching uh, concerning the uh, the model prayer. Now, my Bible uses the word debts, um, and I heard a story about the the controversy between debts and trespasses, but it has to do with nationalities and really not appropriate for the Bible, but. I like the word transgressions better. So he, Jesus has been asked to teach the, uh, the apostles, the disciples, to pray, and, and he's saying, do this in, in like manner, and that starts in verse 9. But here in verse 12, he's talking about, and forgive us our transgressors, transgressions as we have forgiven our transgressors. And bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, I've never read anything in the Bible that would counter that. That's just a that's just a fact, isn't it? That's a statement of truth when it comes to this forgiveness or mercy. Not exactly the same thing, but it, forgiveness being the larger picture, of course. Now, I also agree with um, uh, the comments, and C.S. Lewis just have has just a short comment, really uh, concerning the word mercy. 
some of his thoughts are more in the secular line. But I agree with what he says here concerning mercy. And it's also used in in way of um, men judging men, you know. But the essential act of mercy, the essential act of mercy, was to pardon. And pardon, in its very essence, involves the recognition of guilt in the recipient. Did you get all of that? Because, see, without that, you really don't have the opportunity for mercy because you need pardon for an act. And that involves the recognition of guilt by the one that has transgressed, the receiver of mercy. Now, that's the thrust of what Lewis says, but here's the points I would make here. And um, because in the world we live in, this whole idea of crime and punishment and forgiveness and mercy and no mercy. You know, if crime or our trespassing against each other or God is only a disease that needs a cure, not a sin that needs punishment, then it cannot be pardoned under those circumstances. I, I believe that. You don't have to believe what I said there. I, that, that's what I believe, and I think that's the thrust of the idea. Okay, if it's only disease, have you ever heard it? All of these things that we do, oh, it's just I'm born that way, it's a disease, on and on and on it goes, okay? Mercy cannot be a remedy for a physical imperfection or bad conduct even, <laughs> bad character flaw or whatever. You see, to heal your body in that way would take a miracle, wouldn't it? Or a good doctor, whichever you have opportunity. So I'm not making light of this, but what I'm saying is think about this idea of mercy. You know, the humanitarian theory, under their thinking, they wanted to abolish justice. In other words, uh, they wanted everything, no crime and punishment, just to eliminate them. They wanted to abolish justice and substitute mercy for every bad act. Now, does this work? Have you tried it at home? Try that at home. (laughs) Try that anywhere. You will have chaos in in a very short time. It just doesn't work. Now, this is something, this is what, this, Lewis also said this, um, concerning what I had read before. Mercy detached from justice and responsibility of a trespass grows unmerciful. In other words, the whole thing becomes corrupted. You know, our society today could benefit greatly from, from godly attitudes of men in the past and today Men that are saying that that our responsibility for our own actions is very important. Our responsibilities, men and women, take responsibility for their own actions because, you see, if we don't, mercy extended to one that is unmerciful 
is inane. It goes nowhere. You can be merciful all day, but the recipient could care less. We cannot improve on God's ways. When God shows us what mercy is, the pattern of it from start to finish has to be the same all the time or it doesn't work. So consider mercy in that way. God is good. God is merciful. We need to be good. We need to be merciful. But don't waste your time outside of God's pattern because it won't benefit anyone, especially the one that you're trying to be merciful to. I also think mercy brings the humbleness that is good for us. To walk humbly with the Lord, as it says in Micah 6, 8, to really walk with the Lord in a humble fashion is to know exactly who you are and exactly who He is, God. You need to understand the relationship. Respect the relationship and honor the relationship. And you know that true knowledge can only bring you to a humble attitude because God is your Father. He is your Creator. He is the God of all that it is. All in all. I think of, when I think about that, I think about the passage in John, 1 John, where it talks about faith. Faith casts out fear. Now, do you believe that? I'm going to tell you, if the more and more faith you have in the things of God, the ways of God, the words of God, and His Son, and, and the apostles as they taught it, the more faith you put in that, the more fear and, timid, and, and being timid you drive out of your life. First time I read that, I thought, oh, that can't possibly be true. They don't seem to have any association. I'm telling you, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Build your faith, and you'll find the, the answer for yourself. You see, it takes faith. Faith, to have faith that there is a merciful God is going to bring forgiveness to you. See, if you have no faith in a merciful God, then how are you going to be forgiven? And you know what most folks think? It's the old, um, uh, it's the old numerical situation in their mind. I have done so many good things, I can't even remember them all. And over here, I can hold up a little list of bad things that I've done. And that's what we're going with? When the Bible clearly says that your good deeds are filthy rags, I can't go with that anymore. That was a good idea, though. <laughs> we have to have faith in a merciful God and believe it, friends. We need mercy. Oh, we need it. And we're only going to love it 
more and more if we are merciful ourselves in a godly way. You must believe that that mercy exists between the God of heaven and mankind below. You have to believe that. If not, you only have this this life and these experiences to be all that it is for you. And, you know, we know in here that that's not true. We know it. Romans chapter 1 tells us that and in other places. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? I like this. John 3. By the way, I'm reading from the uh, American Standard. I apologize for the old English, but I still like it. They just make some corrections in some of the language I think is important. John 3, verse 14, start there. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, a teacher of men, an expert in the law. And believe me, he needs to hear every word that Jesus utters to be full and to be useful. And he's listening to Jesus. And Jesus says, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Remember that account? Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whosoever believeth may in him have life without end. For God so loved the world, for God has so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He that believeth on him is not judged. He that believeth not hath been judged already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. I'm going to go on to 21. And this is the judgment, that the light is coming to the world. That's Jesus. And men love the darkness rather than light. For their works were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light and cometh not to the light, lest his work should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light. His works may be made manifest that they have been wrought in God. There's nothing that Jesus said there that doesn't need to be said and understood. And I'm sure Nicodemus greatly was greatly blessed by it. Remember, Nicodemus was with, with Joseph of Arimathea. They went and, and took Jesus down from the cross and put him in the tomb at great personal expense, I might add. And I'm not talking financial the bravest thing they ever did. But they did so. Because these words mean something. Believing in Jesus means something. To reject Christ, to reject the Lord's church, to reject the kingdom of God, is to reject mercy. 
you'll have no mercy when you reject these things. And you'll, and you'll have no mercy from the one who wants to extend it. You know, we go to people and beg for mercy, but God holds it out. For every soul that will conform to the pattern of salvation, the terms of pardon that God has, has uh, given the world more than 2,000 years ago, that's what he requires for pardon. And what do we do when, when, we're, when we become a child of God? We hear his word, we believe it. We repent, we turn from our self-life and turn to him. We confess it before others. We're, we're baptized. In, in water and in, in, in imitation of the barrel of Christ. For we contact the blood of Christ and forgiveness of our sins. We rise in newness of life. It's all new. We're a new creation in Christ. In the family of God. Those are God's terms of pardon. That's what mercy is. Does he have to do this? He did not have to do any of this. God could have given the law and here you go. Do it or else. Live it or else. And he'd have been just in that because his laws are just. You know his laws are holy and perfect? They're holy and perfect. So we have no argument even against the law. But we have pardon. So if we have no time for God... Oh, we're, we're too busy with our lives. They're our lives. But you know what? We're living our lives on borrowed time. This isn't our time. It's his time. He created time so we could live in it. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have time to judge everything by. If we didn't have words to express ourselves. Everything we have, he gave us. Everything. We have no time for God. We have no time for his mercy. The only reason we think that is that we don't think we need it. So in closing, God's love brings mercy. It brings reward. But along with mercy and reward is always the issue of punishment. There's some punishment in there. You know, a good merciful situation that we do between people always has responsibilities and, and, and other things that go with it that really make the mercy worth something. In fact, this is the true meaning of the word uh, love, the agape love, which is the highest form of love. It has both uh, the uh, ultimate sacrifice along with punishment to con- conform a person to true love. And this is how God and his son love. And yes, they have commanded us, all of us in the family of God, to love exactly the same way. So we have a great responsibility in in loving someone in a way that we can be both mercifully, merciful and rewarding, and yet punish. But punish doesn't mean 
serious bodily injury. You know, I'm talking about something else here. You see how Jesus, you see how this fits with what Jesus said in verse 7, content and settled in spirit are the merciful, for they shall find mercy. It's true. Every word of it's true. The thought is true. And if, if you do it, you'll find it's true. If we are to love as God loves, then we are to be merciful as God is merciful. And that brings us God's reward. And that's, that's the sonship the Bible talks about, the family aspect, being a child of God, uh, whether we're uh, males or females. Child of God. That's the reward. Join heirs with Christ in the inheritance that his father has granted him becomes part of the inheritance jointly with the family. Isn't it just how we want our families in this world to be? Of course it is. And we've got things coming from the outside to try to destroy the, the, uh, the uh, earthly family, just as we have those gainsayers trying to destroy the heavenly family, or at least the understanding of it. They really can't affect it. And we are to discipline as God disciplines, not to destroy or tear down. But discipline that is correct will build up and restore. You know, how can you truly be sorry for something you've done unless you know that you did something wrong? Unless you admit it. You can't. You want to keep it for a secret your whole life? Well, it'll eat away at you your whole life. You'll never benefit from coming away from it. Now here's the question. Jesus made the comment, he made the statement. The merciful will find mercy. Can we do all these things that I've been talking about today? Can we do can we be merciful? Can we be loving? Can we, can we imitate the Lord in, in His ways? I make it a question, can we do it? But I already know the answer, you see, because if we're called to do it by God, I know that we can do it. I want to keep emphasizing that because it's absolutely true. And it's what separates true Christianity from that that is purely a system of men. All right? What God asks us to do, we can do. And we must do. We know it, and surely God knows it. So there'll be a little conversation about it at some time in the future. You know, I've always heard the expression, when you get stand before God uh, and you make a comment and God says, Did, didn't you read my book? <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> but you know, the, the thought of the world is, I didn't know, I can't do that. No, I'm sorry, the excuse doesn't work. The Bible teaches that we can.
starting with the very first instance of somebody doing something they shouldn't have came. Genesis chapter 4, I believe. Read it. Nothing's changed in the human sense. This is how we live. We say we want to do something wrong. God says you must not. If you do, sin will have you by the throat. Because all you have to do is resist it. That's, that's what we're called to do. God says we can do it. I'm saying I agree with him. I hope you do too. And that's my comments for today. Thank you for your attention. And we will have our song of... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.